Yes, hello everyone, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You may be in Australia listening to this, you may be in Japan or China, but we are here in a suburb of New York City called uh, the state of New Jersey, (laughs) Uh, northern New Jersey, and uh, welcome to The Mystic Show. This is the show where we talk about spirituality and self-help. Those two make a uh, powerful combination, actually. And it's interesting. I think I've gone through times in my life when I tried one without the other. Well, I yeah, I think I've tried self-help without the spirituality part. And um, it kind of works. It definitely works. It all works, but it works better together. Uh because you end up going where you really want to go. So uh, anyhow, uh, our website, I'll just give it real quick, themysticshow.net, themysticshow.net. We're live every morning from 7 to 8 a.m. Eastern Time, and uh, all of our episodes are archived on the website. So if you go to uh, themysticshow.net, you can actually search back to when we started the show, and uh, yeah, which was early September... Now it's December, so we're about to hit our three-month anniversary here. Can't believe it's been three months already. Um, And on the website, you can find links to our social media, as well as our phone number and our Skype handle. You can call us. Yes, you can. And uh, yeah, so I want to jump right in today, have a few really good topics to talk with you about. Um, The first one, and, and by the way, I just tweeted and I posted on Facebook as well that we're live, so... um feel free to text your friends and wake them up and say, hey, listen to The Mystic Show. So there's a story I saw that someone posted on Facebook. And I wanted to share this story because it's very interesting, to say the least. Uh, It's called The Horseman and the Snake. And um, I think I'll just go ahead and read it. It's very short, and then uh, it, but it makes some good points, and I, I think we can discuss it, actually. So, okay, uh, The Horseman and the Snake. And I think this is, I, I actually, I don't know what book this is from. Um, yeah, I can find out. I'll put it in the show post, actually, um, if I can find out, because it's just like an article here, like a story. All right, the, hor- the Horseman and the Snake. There is a proverb that the opposition of the man of knowledge is better than than the support of the fool. I, Salim Abdali, bear witness that this is true in the greater ranges of existence as it is true in the lower levels. This is made manifest in the tradition of the wise who have handed down the tale of the horseman and the snake. A horseman from his point of vantage, saw a poisonous snake slip down the throat of a sleeping man. The horseman realized that if the man were allowed to sleep, the venom would surely kill him. Accordingly, he lashed the sleeper until he was awake. Having no time to lose, he forced this man to to a place where there were a number of rotten apples lying upon the ground, and made him eat them. Then he made him drink large gulps of water from a stream. All the while, the other man was trying to get away, crying, What have I done, you enemy of humanity, that you should abuse me in this manner? Finally, when he was near exhaustion, and dusk was falling, the man fell to the ground and vomited out the apples, the water, and the snake. When he saw what had come out of him, he realized what had happened and begged the forgiveness of the horseman. This is our condition. In reading this, do not take history for allegory, 
nor allegory for history. Those who are endowed with knowledge have responsibility. Those who are not have none beyond what they can conjecture. The man who was saved said, If you had told me, I would have accepted your treatment with a good grace. The horseman answered, If I had told you, you would not have believed, or you would have been paralyzed by fright, or run away, or gone to sleep again, seeking forgetfulness, and there would not have been time. Spurring the horse, the mysterious rider rode away. And there you have it, the horseman and the snake. Right? Isn't that an interesting little story? And it totally depicts um, our journey on the spiritual path. I think that's what comes to my mind. I mean, there's so many analogies you can get from that. But I think it's like, you know, the spiritual guide or spiritual teachers, they know that we've swallowed the snake and they know what we have to do and they're telling us what to do (laughs) and we don't like it, right? We don't like it. We want to forget. We want to go back to sleep. We want to pretend that nothing is wrong. But if we're lucky enough and if we follow enough and achieve enough with the spiritual guide's help or with other people's help, um, we can, we, we will realize what is going to come out of us. Like the, like he, the, the man in the story vomited up the snake and he saw, then he understood what the horseman was trying to do the whole time. And I think that's how it is with people in our lives who our spiritual guides and our teachers, they're really trying to help because they know something we don't know. <laughs> and us being stupid, we want to pretend that nothing's wrong and we don't need help and and all this stuff. And in a way, in a way that's natural as well to sort of resist that. I mean, in a way. But so it takes some some wisdom to sort of, you know, relax enough to understand what's true and what's right and and know when someone's trying to help us in a way right and i guess that snake could embody many things right different uh in in our sahaj mark practice it could embody like samskaras right we we take in samskaras we don't even know it and then the master has to clean us type thing and we can clean ourselves too. Um, or it could be, you know, the snake could be bad habits and, and conditioning and our societal conditioning. Um, I was actually reading the intro, no, not the intro, uh, the preface to a book called My Big Toe. Huh. Uh, it's a new book that my wife ordered. It's called My Big Toe and uh, toe stand, you know, the word toe represents theory of everything, and it's uh, it's what these physicists have been looking for, right? They want they want a formula that explains everything in the universe. One formula, or one one theory, really, not one formula. Uh, and of course, no one's ever been able to find it, and you know we know that they're not <laughs> ever going to be able to find it, but we try. And uh, anyway, I read the preface to this book, and he was also, he was stressing about societal um, conditioning. And just re- just illustrating how we're born into a society, and we just automatically take on the beliefs of that society. Without question, without knowing it, usually. We don't even know that we have these beliefs until maybe they're challenged. But we just take on all these beliefs. We just accept it. So it's... I mean, it helps to a certain point because, you know, 
different cultures have different beliefs and that's how they get along. That's how they live. That's how they survive in a way. But I think there comes a day when we realize that, you know what, all these beliefs of my culture, um, in a way, well, definitely they're holding me back. They're a very, it's any society's views are very narrow by definition. They have to be. So the only wider scope of beliefs is, is true spirituality, which is yourself, your own journey inside yourself. And all these uh, societal beliefs actually hinder us. They get in the way. So anyway, that, maybe that's one thing that the snake embodies, right? So anyway, I hope you liked the horseman and the snake. And um, we'll just take a quick break and we'll be right back. Yes, thank you to Anya for that interlude. It's called Once You Had Gold. Once You Had Gold. Uh, very nice little song there. want to welcome you back to the Mystic Show. Um, and we're broadcasting on the Fractal Stream. Have you ever listened to the Fractal Stream throughout the day? There's some good shows, some good music. It's a very, uh, very nice internet radio station. Um, and our website, themysticshow.net, you can find all kinds of stuff there, including our phone numbers and uh, our Skype handle. And I seem to have something in my throat this morning. <laughs> I need to keep clearing my throat and everything. Uh, but let's move on. How about this? Let's continue with our main book, right? We always... We always have a main book on this show, like a book that we're, you know, uh, reading every single chapter. We started with um, a James Allen book called Byways of Blessedness. Then we moved on to another James Allen book called Above Life's Turmoil. And now we're moving on. Now we're about a quarter of the way into the book called Your Invisible Power by Genevieve B. Rend. And uh, again, this is published in 1921. And uh, and yes, I'm purposely choosing books that are about 100 years old because uh, the copyrights have run out on them and they're public domain. So I won't get in any trouble for reading them. <laughs> Whereas if I took like a modern, you know, Wayne Dyer book and read the whole thing on my radio show, um, I'd be getting some letters in the mail. <laughs> And I'd be having <laughs> I'd be having to attend some appointments somewhere, but as you know from hearing these, hearing me read these books, and if you've read any of these books, especially James Allen, you know how powerful and strong and simple his teaching is, his writing, and uh, and how it's so helpful in our journey to hear it put so simply. And then we get to reflect on it. So, um, so yeah, everything that's modern isn't the best. There's some older things that are way better. And I'm not saying Wayne Dyer's not good. We love Wayne Dyer. 
especially the DVD he made called The Shift. If you haven't seen The Shift, um, it's a DVD with Wayne Dyer in it. That's really good. In fact, I want to do a whole show on that, but um, I'm trying to figure out how to do that. And of course, I'd love to interview Wayne Dyer, but uh, none of you listeners have (laughs) made the introduction yet. (laughs) You see how I put it right back on you listeners? Uh, Anyway, so so the next passage in our book here, um, again, our book is called Your Invisible Power by Genevieve B. Wren, and it's... This whole book is about visualization and the power that we have of visualization and what visualization really is. You know, you're using it every moment. You're using it right now, probably listening to my voice. If you know me and you know what I look like, you're, you're picturing me. If you don't know me, you're probably making up some picture of me. Isn't that interesting when you hear people on the radio and you've never seen them before? It's like you get... You, you might not always get like a clear picture, but you, you just have a feeling of what they would look like. <laughs> and then you actually see the DJ and it looks nothing like you thought. And it like, I don't know, kind of crushes you in some way. <laughs> All right. Well, this passage is called um, Operation of Your Mental Picture. Operation of Your Mental Picture. Let's just get right into it. So get get comfortable. This isn't, actually, this chapter is longer than the other, so I'll probably stop halfway. We'll do half of it today. And um, so, yeah, as you listen, if you're at home just relaxing, maybe you can close your eyes and relax and just gently focus on what I'm saying. Um, Obviously, if you're driving or cooking or running or walking or jogging, you probably can't close your eyes, but uh, you can still relax and listen. So, so let's read it. This, is, uh, this passage is called Operation of Your Mental Picture. The operation of a large telephone system may be used as a simile. The main or head central subdivides itself into many branch centrals, every branch being in direct connection with its source and each individual branch recognizing the source of its existence reports all things to its central head. Therefore, when assistance of any nature is required, new supplies, difficult repairs to be done or whatnot, the branch in need goes at once to its central head. It would not think of referring its difficulties, or its successes, to the main central of a telegraph system, though they belong to the same organization. These different branch centrals know that the only remedy for any difficulty must come from the central out of which they were projected. If we as individual branches of the universal mind, would refer our difficulties in the same confident manner to the source from which we were projected and use the remedies that it has provided, we would realize what Jesus meant when he said, Ask and ye shall receive. Our every equipment would be met. Surely the father must supply the child. The trunk of the tree cannot fail to provide for its branches. Everything animate or inanimate is called into existence or outstandingness by a power which itself does not stand out. The power that creates the mental picture the originating spirit substance of your pictured desire does not stand out. It projects the substance of itself that is a solidified counterpart of itself while it remains invisible to the physical eye. 
Only those who will ever appreciate the value of visualizing, who are able to realize Paul's meaning when he said, The worlds were formed by the word of God. Things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. There is nothing unusual or mysterious in the idea of your pictured desire coming into material evidence. It is the working of a universal natural law. The world was projected by the self-contemplation of the universal mind. And this same action is taking place in its individualized branch, which is the mind of man. Everything in the whole world has its beginning in mind and comes into existence in exactly the same manner from the hat on your head to the boots on your feet. All are projected thoughts solidified. Your personal advance in evolution depends upon your right use of the power of visualizing. And your use of it depends on whether you recognize that you yourself are a particular center through and in which the originating spirit is finding ever new expression for potentialities already existing within itself. This is evolution. This continual unfolding of existing through outwardly invisible things. Your mental picture is the force of attraction that evolves and combines the originating substance into specific shape. Your picture is the combining and evolving powerhouse, so to speak, through which the originating creative spirit expressed itself. Its creative action is limitless, without beginning and without end, and always progressive and orderly. It proceeds stage by stage, each stage being a necessary preparation for the one to follow. Now let us see if we can get an idea of the different stages by which the things in the world have come to be. Troward says, If we can get at the working principle which is producing these results, we can very quickly and easily give it personal application. First, we find that the thought of originating life or spirit about itself is its simple awareness of its own being, and this produced a primary ether a universal substance out of which everything in the world must grow. Troward also tells us that, though this awareness of being is a necessary foundation for any further possibilities, it is not much to talk about. It is the same with individualized spirit, which is yourself. Before you would entertain the idea of making a mental picture of your desire as being at all practical, you must have some idea of your being, of your I am. And just as soon as you are conscious of your I am-ness, you begin to wish to enjoy the freedom which this consciousness suggests. You want to do more and be more. And as you fulfill this desire within yourself, localized spirit 
begins conscious activities in you. The thing you are most concerned with is the specific action of the creative spirit of life. Universal mind specialized. The localized God germ in you is your personality, your individuality. And since the joy of absolute freedom is the inherent nature of this God germ, it is natural that it should endeavor to enjoy itself through its specific center. And as you grow in the comprehension that your being, your individuality, is God particularizing himself, you naturally develop divine tendencies. You want to enjoy life and liberty. You want freedom in your affairs as well as in your consciousness. And it is natural that you should. Always with this progressive wish, there is a faint thought picture. As your wish and your recognition grow into an intense desire, this desire becomes a clear mental picture. For example, a young lady studying music wishes she had a piano in order to practice at home. She wants the piano so much that she can mentally see it in one of the rooms. She holds the picture of the piano and indulges in the mental reflection of the pleasure and advantage it will be to have the piano in the corner of the living room. One day she finds it there just as she had pictured it. As you grow in understanding as to who you are, where you came from, and what the purpose of your being is, how you are to fulfill the purpose for which you are intended, you will more and more afford a center through which the creative spirit of life can enjoy itself. And you will realize that that there can be but one creative process filling all space, which is the same in its potentiality, whether universal or individual. Furthermore, all that there is, whether on the plane of the visible or invisible, had its origin in the localized action of thought or a mental picture, and this includes yourself because you are universal spirit localized and the same creative action is taking place through you. Now you are no doubt asking yourself why there is so much sickness and misery in the world. If the same power and intelligence which brought the world into existence is in operation in the mind of man, why does it not manifest itself as strength, joy, health, and plenty? If one can have one's desires fulfilled by simply making a mental picture of that desire, holding onto it with the will, and doing without anxiety, on the outward plane, whatever seems necessary to bring the desire into fulfillment, then there seems no reason for the existence of sickness and poverty. Surely no one desires either. The first reason is that few persons will take the trouble to inquire into the working principle of the laws of life. If they did they would soon convince themselves that there is no necessity for the sickness and poverty that we see about us. They would realize that visualizing is a principle and not a fallacy. 
there are a few who have found it worthwhile to study this simple, though absolutely unfailing law that will deliver them from bondage. However, the race as a whole is not willing to give the time required for this study. It is either too simple or too difficult. They may make a picture of their desire with some little understanding of visualizing for a day or two, but more frequently it is for an hour or so. But if you will insist upon mentally seeing yourself surrounded by things and conditions as you wish them to be, you will understand that the creative energy sends its plastic substance in the direction indicated by the tendency of your thoughts. Herein lies the advantage of holding your thought in the form of a mental picture. And uh, that's all for that passage. Actually, that's the middle of the passage. We're just going to take a pause here and uh, we'll be right back. Thank you to John Adams for his piano piece here called China Gates. That's one of my favorites. And welcome back to The Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran, and uh, our website is themysticshow.net. Um, any question you could possibly have about the show or life in general and the universe is all answered on the website. Guaranteed. <laughs> Uh, themysticshow.net. And um, yeah, I also just want to mention pauseyourlife.org. Have you visited pauseyourlife.org? There's some really cool blog posts there. And you can actually sign up for the email list uh, called The Daily Pause, where you receive uh, an inspirational email every day with a nice little quote. You can pause and reflect on it. And uh, Pause Your Life also does meetups and retreats. Uh, all the information's on that website as well. Pauseyourlife.org. Right? It's for those people who just need a break. Do you ever feel like, you know, I just need a break? Actually, I feel like that now. <laughs> Actually, I don't need a break. I, I think I need sleep or something. I don't know what I need. I'm a little tired the past few days. <laughs> Maybe it was my golfing. My because I golf once a year and I all my muscles were sore and my back is sore and everything. It's kind of good though to be sore now and then, right? But I don't know if that made me tired. Anyhow, this is the Mystic Show. We just read this uh, passage from Your Invisible Power. We read the first half of uh, this passage called Operation of Your Mental Picture. And I I really like how she keeps emphasizing that each of us as individuals is a basically a center of creativity. That there's this creative spirit that's ready to create 
and it just needs some direction. It needs our mental picture, and it needs a little will behind it. And using those things, which we all have as human beings, we all have a will, we all have an imagination, we can literally use those to manifest things. And again, it's not magic. We're not talking like, you know, poof, all of a sudden, you know, a bag of money is going to appear on the table or anything like that. Nothing like that. Everything's going to come along naturally. Like in the passage here, she mentions a, she mentions a young lady studying music and she wished to have a piano in order to practice at home. And she went on to visualize it with with some will and some desire behind it and one day she finds it there just as she had pictured it. Well, again, it just it didn't poof into existence like magic, but through normal life through the people around her uh and her interaction with them and her work and her effort these things will create it. It'll create an opportunity for you know, it created an opportunity for her to somehow get the piano into her house, buy it or rent it or borrow it or whatever. Um, somehow it happened. And uh, that's the part of manifesting that um, I think that's a little difficult for us to handle because, you know, and, and Bob Proctor told me this a thousand times. He says, don't worry about the how. He said, don't worry about how the thing is going to appear in your life. Just focus on the thing. Because the how, we don't know how it's going to come into our lives. We've all had thing, things happen in our lives that were unplanned. We didn't think about. All of a sudden, just a couple things happen and all of a sudden, something great happens or, or something bad happens. Right? The circumstances of life are so complex and intricate that the universe can bring about anything, but it has to bring it about through us, through our interactions and everything. So it's not magic. It's just that we're creative beings and we sort of, it, it's like, it's like she says too, that's like the father and the son, you know, the father can't help but give to the son. And and the son, if the son asks for or needs something, then the father's going to give it to him. That's it. So, in a lot of ways, as human beings, we're we're meant to be joyful and, you know, maybe not twenty four seven joyful, but we're meant to be joyful and happy and healthy, right? Um, so if we want those things, the universe is just going to give it to us. I don't think the universe can hold back. And it just comes down to learning how to visualize, how to apply the will, and also, you know, the the persistence of that. Like she also says in this little passage that most people do it for about an hour. They'll visualize for an hour and then say, well, it didn't work. I don't see any results. And then they forget about it. Well, that's not enough. Uh, clearly that's not enough if you wanted anything anything you want if you think about it and focus on it and work towards it and you just keep doing that you're going to get it i mean there's no way that it can be held from you that's just how the universe works and i mean isn't that inspiring to you isn't that doesn't that give you some serious confidence that, you know what, I can achieve what I want to achieve in my life and good things, and I can help other people along the way. That's it. So, and, and that's pretty simple, right? And that's what she also mentions. Sometimes this, the whole visualizing thing is, well, she says it's either too simple or too difficult because, you know, it is simple, but it's not so easy, right? Because of our habits and our societal beliefs, like I just mentioned earlier. So the idea that 
we have divinity inside of us as well, that we, each of us, each human being has that little spark of divinity. She called it the a God germ, which is just means a little piece of God, like a spark of divinity. And we each have that. That's our individuality. And that's the actual connection to the power that we can use to visualize and manifest. So this is a, this is a really great book. I really like this book. And um, a couple, one other thing I wanted to mention before we get into, uh, I, have, I have two really good um, passages from our other book that I, really short ones that I want to read. Um, but before we go to a break, I just want to mention that yesterday I was talking about my, um, my session with Jennifer Eurizio and, and the ideas of trust and neutrality. And, uh, one other thing I wanted to mention along those lines, and I think this is, this is, uh, a common issue with many people, uh, in the world. And especially folks who are on consciously on the spiritual path, and it has to do with um, pleasing other people. And um, well, let me just say first that in Jennifer, in the session with Jennifer, she basically told me that I'm a people pleaser. Like I want to please everybody, and I just want to, you know, please other people. And she, well. Obviously, that's not always possible, and and it's not that it's wrong to want to please other people, but the the problem is that if if I if well I can use myself as the example if I don't please someone then I don't feel so good, like I feel like I failed or I didn't do something right, right? Then you start to think what did I do wrong type stuff, right? And that whole mental game of thinking, oh, what did I do wrong? Did I do the blah, 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 blah. That is the problem. That mental back and forth, that confusion, that nonsense, really, it's just like inner noise in your brain, right? Going back and forth. Because there's no reality there. It's just all made up by me, for instance, using myself as the example. So pleasing others is, you know, of course we should help other people and we can serve other people. We can do good things with other people and we can help them. And at times we can please them, right? But trying to please too much is is not good it, because, it again, it, it just brings us off of our, our true spiritual endeavor, which is to remain in a... In, in a divine consciousness throughout the day. And these little mental games of, of oh, did I please them enough? Did I do right? Should I do this? Should I do that? Um, those little mental games really cause confusion. And really, life, in a way, can be a lot simpler. It just can be natural. I think being natural is is one of the best ways to be a so-called spiritual person. Just be natural. Just be normal. What I call normal, <laughs> which I don't think is so normal. Anyway, um, so being natural, not pleasing others. And I said, like I said, a lot of people in the world are really um, focused on pleasing others. They think, I mean, that's the way their ego gets, you know, fortified or strengthened is that they see themselves as someone who's a helper and a pleaser. And again, we're all on our journey. We're all occupying some space right now, and we're all evolving. So, But I think a lot of people, I think a lot of us have to move away from the extreme tendency to please other people. It can be mild. It can be normal. It can be natural. But the extreme pleasing other people is really not good. And on, I think our society, especially in America, <clears throat> kind of um, encourages that too, you know, by this whole thing of being politically correct. 
and this and the idea of etiquette, right? I mean, if you don't hold the door for someone at Dunkin' Donuts, then probably a handful of people think you're a bad person, <laughs> right? Does it really mean you're a bad person? I mean, come on. Is the door that heavy that somebody can't open the door by themselves? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> seriously, think about that. I think about that. When I walk into a store and people are holding the door, some people will stand there for like 30 seconds holding the door. For, so they're waiting for someone to walk up. And then the person who's walking up feels like they have to hurry up because, oh, the guy's holding the door for me. And it's like it's like this charade of etiquette. It, it doesn't mean anything. And it's like, it just, it's, I don't know, it's weird. But And doing it is not bad. But if you don't do it, Right? Someone might think, oh, what's wrong with that guy? He doesn't, he, he, he's a bad guy. You know, he's an angry guy. He doesn't hold the door for people. Really? <laughs> that means I'm angry and that I'm a bad guy? Oh, maybe I'm in a divine consciousness. Maybe I'm not concerned. Maybe I know you can open the door by yourself and I'm not really concerned about that. Right? Anyway, that's just a, really narrow small example of of what i'm talking about um so i think we should take a little small break and uh we'll be right back Yes, thank you to Anya for that. Very, I mean, isn't it amazing how she does, she's not even saying words right there. She's just kind of humming and there's a little, some little music behind it and it, but it creates such a mood, right? Yeah, music is just, there's something about music that is really, that can be otherworldly for sure, which is I think one of the reasons I love music. I mean, I remember it was in my mom's house and I think it was a, I, I'm not sure I remember the song. It was the the guy who, uh, Pete Townsend, the, he's a guitar player for The Who and uh, he had a solo album, I think, or a, and it was a 45 record. It was a small record and it was on the record player and I was I was listening to it and I was young. I don't know how old I was probably six or seven, maybe, I don't know. And I heard that song and it was like, I didn't know where it was coming from. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, I mean, it was playing right in front of me, but there was some dimension to it that was like, again, otherworldly. It was something that was was coming from a different dimension or something. And I, I was like fascinated by that. And I listened to the song like 10 times in a row. And uh, anyway, that's, <laughs> I remember that as being a <laughs> moment in my life, right? That, that sort of, those, you know, those little glimpses you get of something beyond. I mean, that was one of them. It was through music. And I'm sure you've had the same thing. I'm sure. So this is The Mystic Show. The website is themysticshow.net. And um, I don't, I've, I've been told a little birdie told me that i've been beg i've been begging too much for people to call in <laughs> they said wow you really you know you're but really want people to call in don't you I'm like please call in the numbers are... so you know what i'm not going to beg anymore <laughs> so there you have it and see the phone all oh, the ringer was off 
All right. Well, that's my fault. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, let's get to our other book. A couple, a couple small passages here from this book, 365 Dao, Daily Meditations by Deng Ming Dao. And uh, again, there's a passage for every day of the year. And I want to read yesterday's and today's, kind of back to back. They're very, they're short. They're very interesting. Uh, so yesterday's was uh, wisdom, right? It's called wisdom, and I'll just read it. There's a little poem part, and then there's a few paragraphs. All right, this is called wisdom. A white-haired couple sits on the park bench, reading the paper, discussing the day's news. He repeats a poem learned in his youth. She finishes the stanza as he nods in pleasure. At twilight, the air seems clearer than noon. In past times, educators emphasized memorization. You can still meet older people who can recite certain poems, passages from classics and religious texts, or mathematical formulae. In fact, some people assert that those who remember more are wiser. Young people often have a mania for more and more information. But mere accumulation is not enough. The more you take in, the more that data needs to be managed. Without that, you have encyclopedic knowledge and minuscule wisdom. True wisdom is a qualitative value built on a quantitative foundation. The vital elderly did not become venerable through good memory alone. They also learned to manipulate those facts. They mixed their knowledge with a healthy dose of experience, experimentation, and contemplation. It takes time to intuit special connections between facts. One might say that wisdom is not simply a mental process, but the sum total of a human being. And that's the passage called Wisdom. And I found this fascinating because, I mean, this book was, this book has been around for 20 years. And uh, he mentions that the young people often have a mania for more and more information and that this information needs to be managed within yourself. And, and just because you have a lot of information, doesn't, you know, doesn't mean you have any wisdom, actually. They're kind of two separate things. So I really like that that point about the information and the wisdom. Very good. And I also wanted to read this one here. The next, well, this is for today. This is the next page. It kind of goes right along. You'll see. Uh, this one is called Moderation. Moderation. All right, let's read it. Alternate between the solitary and the social. Whether alone or with others, keep serenity. Some people argue that Tao can be known only through bitter asceticism. Others prefer massive congregations. But those who follow Tao are neither too solitary nor too gregarious. They have regular times of privacy, and they equally enjoy being with others. Privacy is good, but an overly monastic life can lead to unhappiness, delusion, 
and even insanity. In the same way, relationships are good. But too much social intercourse can lead to conformity, conflict, and stress. Therefore, the way of Tao aims to maximize the good and minimize the bad. We should have regular times to be alone, meditate alone, even sleep alone. This gives us clarity. Then we can bring this understanding to our relationships. Friendships will be all the more wonderful. Once we understand moderation, we move between the solitary and the social without any mistake. And that's the passage titled Moderation. And this one, again, I'm, and I'm, I'm totally thinking of social media here and all the computers and tablets. Um, again, the, this balance of being by yourself and being with a group of people, um, it's definitely a balance. And it, too much of one or the other is, is, is not good. So as he says, you know, if, if you're too... If you're going to go towards asceticism and like go live in the woods or something, I mean, that's, he says it leads to unhappiness, delusion, and even insanity. And even worse, probably, is he says too much social intercourse can lead to conformity, conflict, and stress. And I think conformity is the most powerful word there because. Again, back to the social and the societal uh, habits and beliefs, right? If we get if we get sucked into what everyone else is saying and believing, then you're not really individual, and you're you, you know you're not really thinking for yourself. And then we be just then we become sheep. And uh, you know, I mean, just look at the just look at the world today. Most it's mostly sheep, right? It's people arguing, I mean, the funniest to me, and, and I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm, I'm not very much into politics, but this whole Republican and Democrat arguments, um, I don't know. Some, I think some people just jump on the bandwagon. They just want to argue about something. They want to take sides and argue. They're not really thinking through any issues. They're not relating any issues to their life or, or you know, their character or they're not meditating on these questions. They're not going on a retreat and, and thinking about these core values and issues. They're not doing any of that. They just want to argue. So spending time by yourself is very important. And um, yeah, so maybe check out pauseyourlife.org if you want to just take a pause um, on a meetup or a retreat. So well, I thank you for listening today. This has been a wonderful show. I hope some of these concepts are interesting to you, maybe interesting enough to talk with one of your coworkers today about. Maybe tell them the story about the horseman and the snake, right? So this has been great. As you move through your day, just remember, smile. And you know what? Take a picture of yourself smiling and send it to me. That'd be nice. And as always, never forget to keep shining.